You're listening to the Thought Leaders Business Lab, episode 73, and today we're talking about how to grow your team from zero, so stay tuned. Hi, I'm Samantha Riley, and after being in business for 20 years, I took the leap of faith from a traditional bricks and mortar business into the online world and created a business based around my expertise. Now I have a life that gives me the freedom to work wherever I have an internet connection. I'm now obsessed with helping the unheard experts who are brilliant at what they do but feel like the world's best kept secret transform to influential thought leaders, all while creating a business which gives them the freedom to create their life by design. Join me as we explore the strategies that you can implement to create and grow a business based on your expertise. Welcome to the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Hello and welcome back to another Thursday edition of the Thought Leaders Business Lab podcast. I'm Tim Hyde, your co-host, and as always, joined by the amazing Samantha Riley. Sam? Ah, thank you, Tim. Always full of the lovely words. It's great to be here with you for another Thursday. We've got a great episode today. I'm actually really looking forward to this episode because it's a question that I get asked all the time. How do I take my team from just me to bringing someone else on to help. Yeah, it's really this transition, I think, between having a job, you know, albeit potentially a super flexible one. Of course, if you've implemented all of our tips from last week um, when we talked about taking breaks, you know, you've probably taken seven days of breaks already. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's really this transition that starts to take our business away from being a job to something that continues to generate us an income whether we're in it or not it's a really important point in that transition right now we've talked about it before you can only ever eliminate delegate or automate and this is really about that delegation isn't it to sort of change that transition and of course we're talking about how to grow your team from zero absolutely because so many people have this story in their head that says it's okay for them it's different for them but they can afford it, blah, 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 blah. And I'll stop there because they're all just stories. They're just stories, people. The stories we tell ourselves that define our existence. But before we do, here's another story, right, because we had a question come in during the week about, I guess, the technology stack that, you know, most businesses now have in their business. And one of the questions was, how does a business afford these subscriptions for things like zero? Right? And of course, so zero my, being a, an accounting software package. Zero is an accounting so- software package. And uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because I've certainly got a few. <laughs> when you told me or, the, or mentioned that this was the question, I'm kind of glad that we weren't recording because I did have a very strange look on my face, didn't I? <laughs> like, what are you saying to me? It's like I, this guy. The sky I, red. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I don't understand because the first thing that came into mind was how can you not? I didn't understand that someone that actually owns a business would even think of asking that question. It it actually really surprised me. Of course, a subscription to you know to a product like Zero starts at about fifty dollars. No, it actually starts at twenty dollars a month. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. You know, but twenty or fifty dollars is effectively what we're talking about. You know, so yeah. And and in all fairness, they do add up. I think you know, with your CRM and your and your accounting software and your 
project management and different scheduling tools. And, you know, there is quite a few things. And I know that you and I both talked before we started recording. We're both around about $1,000 a month for our technology stack. But it's a cost of doing business. It's just, it's just one of those things that we have to pay. And sure, we could do things that cut corners and use a, a Google spreadsheet, which I did right in the early days. But as soon as we're bringing enough money in, then we need to be able to take these products on that make our productivity so much higher because there's only so many hours in the day. You know, I want to be able to reconcile my accounts and just shoot it off to my bookkeeper in two seconds, if that's possible, which is not. But, you know, I don't want to be spending time doing that because that's taking my time from somewhere else in the business. It's just a part of doing business. And I think if you're asking yourself, how do we afford it? It's the wrong question. The question is, well, we need these things in our business. What do we have to do to make it happen? Yeah, it's really that mindset shift, isn't it? About what is your time worth? And I, you know, my rule is that the only thing I can't create more of is time. Yes. You know, my time. And, and that becomes really sacrosanct, you know, in, in how I use it. So anything that I can do in my business to create more time or create more efficiency of that time, I'm like all over that. And I, you know, I think if we look at something like zero, which is, you know, at $50 a month or $2 a day, how much time per day does that application and is that time worth $2? If the time is worth $2, absolutely. Yep, yep. And for someone like me that just hates doing accounts, it's worth that and more because that means that I can use my time in my zone of genius rather than something that isn't my zone of genius and that I actually really hate doing. Yeah, I think you said uh, in episode 71, you know, when we're talking about those breaks is that, you know, when people, when people are on their deathbed, you know, one of the five things that says, oh, yeah, I wish I worked more. Yeah, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Right? Not so going to happen. We start to look at our systems a bit like that. So our zeros, our CRMs, our project management, our scheduling tools, um, all those sorts of things. I mean, I look at my CRM and I would send out in excess of 100,000 emails a year from my you know, on bits of communication from my CRM per year. If I had to do that manually, that would be my entire year. Yeah. Look, there'd I no, think that no breaks, there'd be no work done. It'd just be communication if I had to do it all one by one. And we need to look at that again, shift our mindset around what are we using these tools for? Not look at the sticker price. Yes. Of those tools. Look at what is the outcome it delivers and the leverage it creates on a business if we're going to continue to grow. Hundred percent. Because CRM is the number one thing I think that everyone should start with in their business. When people say to me, "Oh, I haven't got a CRM," I want, I want a website now, isn't it? I actually think it's more important. That's the number one thing that I had in my business and I still stand that that was the right move to make. Yeah, look, definitely since 2010 onwards, um, you know, the importance of a website has decreased, I guess, with social media and so many different social media channels. It's still important. But oh, it is definitely important. Don't take that out of context. Yeah, but your success in your business is your ability to create one-on-one -on -one conversations at scale Mm -hmm. We digress. We're going to talk about growing your team today. <laughs> good, good work at pulling us back, Tim. We were going down a rabbit hole there. <laughs> we'll save that for another. We'll save that for another episode. But we did, we did touch on a really important point there that part of growing your team, as much as your technology stack, is really shifting that focus and mindset that you can work on those more important activities. 
I think you and I both hear this from clients all the time, that one of the fears we have that stops us bringing on that first employee is what happens if the work dries up. Mm-hmm. might be really busy right now thinking, oh, my God, I need somebody. But what if the work dries up? And we almost need someone to come into our business before we get to that stage, don't we? Definitely before because I've seen it happen time and time again where someone is really busy. It's almost like they do a panic hire. I just need anyone. And then that person comes on and because the business owner is so busy, they don't onboard correctly, they don't have the system set up. And I even know one of my clients before she was my client hired someone and she was busy, 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 busy in her business and her assistant was sitting there with nothing to do and actually getting really embarrassed because she kept saying, have you got anything for me to do? Have you got anything for me to do? And we don't want that to be happening. Look, I, I know I've made that mistake before as well, you know, hiring when i almost too late to, to get somebody because I'm, you know, crazy busy. And hiring someone is not a, a trivial task, right? It actually takes a bit of time. A mastermind dinner last night where two of the guys, you know, in my group have been hiring for those who don't know, a mastermind is basically a group of people who come together and share, collaborate on ideas and, and solve each other's problems. Two of the guys there were, were both hiring and they've taken literally two weeks out of their business to go through the recruitment process where basically wow. from their point of view has stopped. Their output in, and productivity has stopped So to, to get these, pe- these new people on. And you do have a transition of people in your business. People yep. come and they leave. Sucks when they do but that creates the opportunity for someone else to come in and, and new ideas to come into your business as well. So potentially hiring when you're stupidly busy, it, you just don't have time to A, hire the right person and then B, give them what they need to do to, to succeed. Absolutely. So I think that very first point when you need to hire is, you know, just to cover off what you've just said, is to shift your focus to what do I need to do to make this happen? What do I need to do to get the best outcome here? And it always needs to be the question that you're asking yourself. When do you think is the right time in your business? What are the signs that someone should say, okay, I need to start looking for somebody? Yeah, look, I think that this can be a very fine line to tread because you want to obviously leave it. You don't want to hire too early and be in a position where you don't have enough work, but you also need to be in a position where you're not crazy busy. So I don't know that there's an exact time but I always like to think at, you know, at the time where I'm being pulled in quite a few different directions is the time that I normally sit down and look who is my next hire because what I'm trying to do at each time I hire is to bring the focus in of my tasks. So if I've got you know, a task in all of these different areas, I want to shave off just one little bit first and hand it to someone because there's no one that can handle everything. You know, even as business owners, we can't handle everything. And because we're good at some things and not good at others, we might be handling them, but not to, not to the best of our ability. <laughs> we, have, we have talked extensively about your competent and incompetent zones. Exactly. And, you know, I, I, we, all, we all do work in our incompetent zones at time again. You know, I a bit of a stuff up in my business this morning, which I, I shared with you, Tim, just earlier. You know, it happens. But yeah, going back to your question is I always look at what am I doing at the moment? How do I take that first little bit off? And so because I'm trying to to lessen that gamut of jobs that I've got coming in. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the things that we we need to look at when we're looking at bringing in the first, second, third, you know, fourth hire, whatever it happens to be, is really understanding what it costs us 
to deliver that particular outcome in our business. Uh-huh. And I know there's a lot of fear and I've had it and I'm sure you have as well, Sam. When we bring on that, that first person that they're going to suddenly take 10 hours to do a task that we take in, in five minutes. Uh-huh. You know, and that's one of the things that sort of holds us back. And I think a really great strategy there is to actually try to find people who can deliver a fixed price outcome for that task yes. rather than a variable priced outcome. Absolutely. And out there who can, can give you a, a per file, a per deliverable, a per whatever unit cost for that thing. And if you know what it costs you in your business in terms of how much time you take to do it, and now you can start to make that comparison and say, okay, well, if it costs me $50 you know, it takes me an hour, can I find someone else to deliver and, and negotiate? This is the task I need done and I need it done for 50 bucks. Can you do that? And it's totally okay to ask as well, right? I can only say no. Yeah, and, you know, actually all of my, all of the people that I bring on new into my business, I hire them all on outcome-based and fixed cost, always, every single time. Because if, they, if it does take them 10 hours to do a task and me only five minutes, as long as I'm getting the outcome and as long as I know how much it's going to cost me, do I really care how long it's going to take them? Yeah, I made, I made the mistake again recently. I, I, I forgot to negotiate that fixed price deliverable and ended up paying, I think I was, I was making a transition for someone from, from a new client from Agile to Infusionsoft and there was two quite simple campaigns that I needed brought across. And I mean, I got my bill from my team of VAs in the Philippines um, it was 10 and a half hours, right? and albeit relatively cheap. You know, we're talking $15 an hour here, $15 an hour US, so it's relatively cheap, but not at 10, not when there's 10 and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> the task that I then had to go and redo and took me 15 minutes. And I think if I'd kind of remembered to say, look, I'll, look, I'll pay you 200 bucks to do that. I think it's about a couple of hours worth of work. This is what I'm prepared to pay for that. You accept that term, that, that, you know, those terms, yes, no. And then it's up to them to kind of that, that staff member, you know, either virtually or locally to find the, the most efficient way to deliver the outcome that you're requesting. Totally. So if we're talking about going from a team of zero to having people help us, I think that one of the best ways is to actually what I would call out task before you hire. So you don't necessarily need to take someone on part time, so 20 hours or 40 hours per week, that you can just out task. And this is where Upwork, Fiverr, the programs that I use, I think there's Freelancer and probably a zillion others, is really quite good because you can just bring someone on to do one task at a fixed price, you know exactly what it is, who it is that you're looking for and exactly what the cost is. And that's a really great way to go from zero to one person. It might only be for one hour a week or two hours a week just doing something specific. We've got a team member, Tim, that edits our podcast episode. He's been with us for, so he's been a part of my team now for three years. So he's a permanent team member, but he only works a couple of hours a week. So I don't need to hire him on a full-time basis. Yeah, yeah. And until you start pumping out sort of 30 podcasts a week, Sam, then, you know, guess what? Hi, Gaspar. Maybe one day. As you are listening to this podcast, Gaspar, hello. (laughs) We love Gaspar. (laughs) Absolutely. And look, because that that brings us on to this idea of contractors, you know, local versus virtual. You're a big advocate of of virtual. Yeah, I am. What do you think of of being people into your office with you a couple of of hours a week or or whatever happens to be? And there's plenty of people... You know, who can do that, um, you know, who want to be able to work a couple of hours during school hours. Yep. 
Um, and there's lots of people available like that, you know, to, who don't necessarily want the massive commitment of a full-time job, but just looking for a couple of hours. What are your thoughts on that? I think that this is really important where you need to know how you best work. So I've got clients that do have people that are local that just do, they even work virtually for them, but they're local people so that they can catch up either in their home office or in a coffee shop. I actually, I don't think I've met any of my staff, but there are different times where I would need to. If I've got event staff, for example, obviously they need to be there with me and that, that's something different. But I'm happy to work virtually, but if you prefer to work with someone that's not, then do that. Like, there's no hard and fast rule. I think it partly the, the, one of the questions that you should ask yourself is how do you best train your staff? And maybe having someone sitting next to you as you do your task and then having them watch it and, and having that interaction is one of the things you might want to do. You know, often we, you know, we sit in silence as we go about what it is that we do. Uh, when you're creating modules, for example, uh -huh, for your uh -huh. you know, it's all in your head. You sit there and you, you bang it out. Certainly when I'm building campaigns for people and, and doing a lot of training around building automation processes for people, I've got into the habit of actually talking out loud about my thought process uh -huh. as I and record it and either having someone virtually then be able to watch that video or having someone sitting next to me as I'm doing that and understanding my thought process, I find re a really effective way of actually saying now, you know, and even doing that for a period, if you, if you commit this, if I'm going to get someone into my business, they are, they are not going to be productive for the first month. Mm -hmm. the first, they are just going to, I'm just going to pay the money out. They're not going to do any work, right? So, yes, it's a little bit of a burden. If you don't have systems and processes in your business, a great way to create them is with that first person because they're going to ask all the stupid questions that you take for granted. Yeah. I think that for me, yeah. I, I was very, I guess, I'm going to say lucky here that I did originally have traditional businesses before the internet came about. We yeah. had multiple locations. You're so right. I used to have to train staff sometimes on the phone where I couldn't see what they were doing. So I think that it gave me the skills to be able to explain it in a way and it gave me some processes and, and learnings of how to explain things. And now that we do have the internet and I can have a Zoom call with my team and I can screen share, it isn't really that different to actually being there in person. And the way that I train my team is I will show them and screen share and show them how to do it once. Then we will do it together. So I will watch them do it. And then they need to go and do it on their own at the same time that they record the system. There is that interaction there anyway, anyway that 20 years ago we, we couldn't have had. So Yeah, and I think whether you do that, you know, once or you, you do that over an extended period, I mean, it might just be the three things that you're doing, as you sort of mentioned there. But if it's a more complex task, Maybe they sit alongside you for a week while yeah. you do, and they dial into all your phone calls with, you know, with clients so that they yeah. can see and hear your process. Maybe they sit alongside you as you deliver the work for that client. And my full-time staff yeah. member does. He sit, actually, he still does every week now. So Joel's been with me now for over a year and he still sits on yeah. every single group coaching call. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, because they're learning as well. Effectively, they're learning your system. No, no, and again, as I mentioned earlier, it sucks when they disappear with all that sort of <laughs> You have to start again. But hopefully, you know, you're, you're teaching them how to do it. You're refining your own, you know, uh, internal onboarding process at the same time. Totally. As well as then, you know, the next transition, as you mentioned, is that they do it while you're sitting on the call with them and then they're doing it without you and then you're kind of checking in and, and 
and monitoring the quality of the work. Totally. How do you know, Tim, who to hire? Oh, tough question. I think, you know, the conventional wisdom now is you, you hire for fit and not for skills, hire for those values. Um, I've certainly done where I've put out job ads before. I'll always put a question in my job ad. And sometimes there's a little bit of a trick question. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the conversations, again, we were having last night was, you know, tell us your best accountant joke. <laughs> so if you, A, don't read the question and don't tell a joke, obviously you're not... You're not a fit. You're not fit because what they're looking for, not so much with the question, they don't necessarily want to just have a bit of a laugh. What they're looking for is, do you have the attention to detail? Yes, 100%. And I do something very similar. I've never asked about a joke, <laughs> but I always put something in there that's very a little bit random and sometimes it's a little bit hidden because I know that if they hadn't seen it, then you're not the person for me because the people that I know that I need to be in my team need to be super detail-oriented. Yeah, and look, I did that with, um, you know, with one of my podcasts a few years ago, one of my early podcasts. I um, was looking for a gas bar uh, of sorts, and one of the questions was, tell me what my, the last podcast was that I published on my website. Now, it was a bit of a trick question because what I was looking for was someone to actually go and find it. You know? uh-huh. uh, I knew if you Googled the name of the podcast, it came up with episode eight rather than episode fifty six or something. Uh-huh. I had a few more episodes on iTunes than I'd then published on my website with the show notes. Okay. And so I think it was, you know, there was like 62 on iTunes, but only 56 on my website. So there's a couple that I still hadn't published and immediately took out anyone who said, well, oh, you didn't give me a link to your website. So like, <laughs> yeah, see you later. Uh, I could tell what people searched for based on whether they'd put the thing in, whether they'd gone to iTunes and searched or, or to done a Google search and searched. And I literally, you know, whittled down, you know, 70-odd applications to three very, very quickly. And those three people had actually listened to the podcast. Now, if I'm trying to find someone who's going to want to edit it, if they show that they've got the willingness, you know, as part of the application process to go and listen to it, that's already demonstrating to me that they've got the right values that I'm looking for in my business. So I think it's a, you know, it's a real values conversation. The joke is a really good one because if they don't tell it, you know, if they can't find a joke or like, oh, 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 you've got to work with this person on a daily basis. <laughs> if you don't get along with them, it doesn't matter how good they are at their skills. You're just going to find this, you're going to, every time they call or, or send you a message on Slack or, you know, like ping you on Skype or Zoom or something, you're like, oh my God, you know, this person is such a pain in the ass in my business. And if you think back into your working career, it's the people you don't get along with that are the hardest to work with, no matter how good they are at what they do. I think it's really important that you don't just focus on skills. I don't say you don't hire on skills at all, but I would hire on the personality type of the person. You will get an idea of the culture that they're going to bring, which brings me to the next point, And I know it's something that you mentioned earlier is hire slowly and fire quickly. Actually, that's what you said, but isn't it the other way around? Higher. Higher slowly, fire. Oh, is it? No, it's higher slowly, fire quickly. Okay. <laughs> I'm so glad we sorted this out. <laughs> we don't want to hire quickly. No. And fire slowly, right? We want to hire slowly. We want to be really deliberate about the person who is and, and, and make them a more considered conversation. This person is going to run your business. and Or at least be part of your business. I hired someone a year ago. And we did let go of them in the first month, just went, this is not going to work. The culture wasn't there. There was no attention to detail. There was no, you know, I need my team to be on 
and able to do a task when I need it done. You know, we don't always want to be in the urgent, important quadrant, but occasionally things happen and we do need to be there. And I need to make sure that my team are there and all of my team are amazing at that. And what I love about them is they're not just there for me, but they're there for each other. So that if any of them has something that happened in that urgent important, they do action straight away. So mm. that is more about the culture. And yeah, I'm quite happy to fire quickly if, that, if that's not there. Okay. Let's talk about some of the mistakes that people make. And I know <laughs> we've talked about, you know, one of the biggest mistakes, well, two, two mistakes obviously is not thinking about it the right way and hurrying when it's like too late, it's when it's urgent. Yeah. What are some of the other mistakes that you see people make, you know, when hiring their, their first person or starting to build their team? Yeah, I think not having a clarity of where they're going or not having a clarity on what the tasks are that need to be done is a big thing. If you can't share, you know, imagine you're on a train. If you can't share to your team where the train's actually going, it's pretty hard for them to help you get there. <laughs> they might not want to get on board. <laughs> Well, it's that simple, right? I mean, I don't want to, I'm not getting on board this train. So I think that that's really important. And the other thing is having no onboarding systems or no systems in place for your business at all. If you don't have any idea what it is that you do and how you do it, then how are you going to explain to someone else how to do it? You no, know, we all like, I think it's funny, entrepreneurs say, you know, we, we don't want the systems or the boundaries. But in actual fact, when we have zero boundaries that's when it starts to get really uncomfortable yeah remarkably like your kids (laughs) (laughs) and who wants to be living permanently with teenagers forever and ever (laughs) no thank you (laughs) i think this this is another one we touched on automation before but this is another area that automation can really work for you Um, i've got quite a few clients using automation to train and onboard the internal teams not just talk to customers Mm-hmm. So you know this is a th- this is a training that needs to be needs to have been completed by this particular date. Market is completed, and if mm-hmm. you haven't done it in a certain time frame, well, you know you can sort of start to to raise and escalate those things as well. Fantastic. What about you, Tim? What is look? I think I think the thing? biggest one for me is you know really poor expectation setting. But just uh-huh. like with customers, you need to set expectations about what you expect from your staff when you expect it and the quality that you expect it in. Right? And then continually come back and, you know, and have that conversation with them. Right? Yeah. Uh, I was at a, um, at a cafe the other day and we had ordered a couple of burgers right? um, for lunch. It was really quiet sort of afternoon. Um, the two burgers came out really dry. I mean, tasty, but super dry burgers. And no one yeah. wants a dry burger. No, no one wants a dry burger. So we sent them back and the next set of burgers came out right? another 20 minutes later. And they were also dry. Oh, right? where so, did you go then? <laughs> well, you know, at that point, we, we, we called the we called the wait, you know, the the girl over and said, you know, what's going on? And and the guy I was with knows, goes is a regular at that particular restaurant and, and goes there all the time and knows the girl quite well. And they said, oh, we haven't had a team meeting for six months. It works really awesome when the business owners are here, but they're not here, right? Uh. So the guys on the, you know, the staff on the grill haven't really been trained. We've had four burgers sent back already this lunch hour. Oh, no. And there were only maybe a dozen people there when we were there. Wow. And, again, it's about setting expectations. And and I know for a fact that they're a little bit quiet right now. (laughs) Obviously, lunchtime on a Friday, there was nobody there and a very popular sort of little strip of restaurants. And, you know, they can see their business is struggling, but their business is struggling because they're not managing expectations. What their staff need to deliver 
to their customers and as a result their business is now now struggling. Yeah, that is such an awesome point, Tim, because I think that a lot of times people are afraid to pull up their team members and say, look, this isn't exactly how I want it done. You know, we're not talking about, you know, being nasty or or anything like that, but being best friends with your team and not really being clear on the expectations is going to hurt our business. I had a situation yesterday where I was having an automation fixed. I was taking out an old part of the email and having a new part put in, but it was over four sequences. There was quite a lot of emails that needed to be fixed. And it came back, and and this isn't my permanent team member. This is a contractor. And I said, look, this hasn't been finished. I don't have time to check every single one, but I've clicked onto two emails and it's, it's not, you know, they've not been done. Please go back and check. And, you know, then I went in and said, the formatting isn't even throughout the email. The formatting is different in this part go back and change it, you know, and it it was, it went backwards and forwards three or four times. But as a business owner, it's my business. I want it to show up a certain way. So it is okay for me to say, this isn't to my standards. I want this completed in this way. Yeah. Look, and that can be very confronting, right? Not everyone likes confrontation like me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't love it either. Don't put me in that boat. (laughs) (laughs) All right, uh, no, but what we, what we wanted to do, I mean, it's, it's okay to be friend. and again, this is a, a lesson I learned from project management years ago, is it's okay to be friendly with your staff, right? But it's not really friends with your staff. Totally. And, you, know, you need to sometimes remove people off a role that they can't necessarily, or they're not delivering to the standard, you know, that you, that you want. As long as you give them the opportunity to, you know, to, to meet those expectations. It, it's, it's never good to just sort of say, no, you can't do it, get off. Hey, I expect it to be done this way. Um, you really want to surround yourself, and again, another project management one, um, surround yourself with amazing people, give them the tools they need to succeed and then get the hell out of their way. Yes, exactly. Right? So you can surround yourself by, you know, with awesome people and if you don't give them the tools, and that also means your expectations and your training and your onboarding and regular check-ins, if you don't check in with them and, and recorrect the course, well, the course is going to go with somewhere you don't want it to. Exactly, exactly. Wow, we've talked about a lot, Tim. So let's just uh, go back and recap. I think the, the first thing is that when we're thinking about going from, from no team to having team members, the first thing we need to do is shift our focus and ask better questions. Yeah. The second thing is to understand that you don't need to hire full-time team members to start with, that you can hire contractors and it's okay to hire a fixed price so that we can manage our budgets. Well, we're learning as business owners too because it's a whole new le- steep learning curve when all of a sudden you've got people helping you. Understanding the onboarding and the training, making sure you've got systems in your business and now that we have got this right, hire slowly and fire quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, awesome, awesome tips. I think it's, it's, it's a point that every, everybody is going to get to at some point you know, in their business or should get to at some point. And, and the quicker you get there, the, the quicker you'll free yourself up to take more breaks and, and grow your business um, even further. Totally, totally. Any parting thoughts, Tim? Uh, look, I mean, just give it a go. Uh, you know, find that thing that you in your business that you hate doing or you find that you're really terrible at. It, it might be starting social media conversations. It might be putting together your weekly newsletter to email to clients. It might be, um, you know, sending Christmas cards and, and you know, licking stamps and envelopes. Whatever the thing is that you 
go, this is a really time-consuming task, but it should be done in my business, right? Um, even going through, I mean, you can get people to go through emails. You can actually get people to pay your bills for you, right? Generally, they're going to pay it out of your bank account and not out of theirs. Yeah, I've discovered that right? before. <laughs> Find that task in your business that is out, definitely outside of your genius zone. Understand the cost of it and then see if you can find someone to do that as a fixed price. We do it already, right? We have a bookkeeper. We have an accountant. Right? Right. So it's not their part of they're, they're effectively part of our team already. So you're just sort of extending that function that little bit further um, and started to, you know, just slowly grow that business, you know, from zero or from just yourself. Yeah, even if you just get, want to dip your toes in the water, hire someone just to do one task a week, just to get used to what it would look like to put your systems together or to onboard new, a new staff member, give it a go. Yep. You won't yep. regret it. It's awesome. But next, next, oh, look at us. Next <laughs> week, on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Next week. Oh, my God, this is going to be such a good episode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now to fire a client. Yes, I'm sure we've all had clients that have not been our, what I call, A clients. Uh, and it can be really stressful, and we'll talk about that more next week in all the stresses that it can cause. I'm sure most people already know what they are, but sometimes it is beneficial to fire a client, so that's what we're going to talk about. That's right, absolutely. Of course, if you have a question for either of us, um, don't forget to jump onto the website, samanthariley.global. Um, click the button that says submit your question, subscribe, like us on iTunes, um, and we'd love to get your feedback um, through comments or, or likes, whatever. And of course, share it with anyone you think who might find uh, all of our awesome advice um, interesting and valuable in helping them grow their business. And crazy, terrible jokes along the way as well. <laughs> we awesome jokes. And, uh, <laughs> our quote and joke game is strong with this one. <laughs> Tim, thanks for hanging out with me and uh, talking about this topic with me today. And for all our listeners, thanks for tuning in. Look forward to seeing you next week. Bye for now. Do you want to grow and scale your business so you can make an even bigger impact? One of the reasons I've been able to achieve the success I have over the years can be attributed to one simple factor, surrounding myself with like-minded people, people who think big like me, who have a desire for growth and who understand the challenges we face when growing and scaling a business. That's why I've created a free community, especially for thought leaders and experts just like you, and I'd love you to join us. Just request access to my free Facebook group at Thought Leaders in a Circle. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love you to share this on your favorite social account. Just head to samanthariley.global forward slash podcast, click on your favorite episode, and you'll see the buttons right there to share the love. And as this show is new, I would love, love, love you to leave a five-star rating and a review on iTunes. See you next time in the Thought Leaders Business Lab. Business Lab.